It's an incredible schuss to be able to begin the week learning the daf with all of you. Today's daf is daf chavches. Shabbos is daf, daf chavches. We are picking up on chavzayin Madays 27b, exactly 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 12 to 13 lines up from the bottom. So also remember again, we're focusing now on the position of Rabbi Huda, where the Gemara said the Mishnah quoted Rabbi Huda holds Ein bir The only way to dispose of chametz ultimately again is through burning it. So says the Gemara. So remember, the Gemara is trying to figure out where exactly does Rabbi Huda learn this concept from. So Chazar Rabbi Huda v'dano dinacher. So in yesterday's daf we saw Rabbi Huda made one attempt. Rabbi Huda makes now a second attempt. No sar aser ba'chila v'chametz aser ba'chila. No sar leftover sacrificial matter is aser ba'chila. And chametz is asr ba'achila. Ma noser b'sreifa. Av chametz b'sreifa. Just like noser is disposed of with sreifa, so too chametz is disposed of with sreifa. Amru lo nevela tochiach. I they said to Rabbi Huda. The rabbanon said to Rabbi Huda. What about nevela? What about the carcass of an unshechted animal? Shasura ba'achila ve'natuna sreifa. A nevela you're not permitted to eat. It's an isra achila, but yet you don't have to dispose of it through sreifa. Amru lo hen hefresh. So Rabbi Huda says there's a distinction between the cases. What's the distinction? No sar asr ba'achila ubano. No sar is asr both by achila and hano. The chametz asr ba'achila ubano. Chametz is also asr ba'achila ubano. So, but again, remember, nevela is not nevela can't be eaten. But Nevela, ultimately, you can get benefit from it. So therefore, again, the comparison between Chametz and Nosar is stronger than a comparison between Chametz and Nevela. Ma Nosar ta'un sreifa, Chametz ta'un sreifa. Therefore, just as Nosar must be burned when you dispose of it, so too Chametz must be burned when you dispose of it. So the Rabbanon again said back to Rabbi Yehuda, Amrulo, yokiach. What about a shahaniska? Remember again, shahaniska is a shah, is an ox that that killed someone, and as a result, the ox itself is killed. So about shahaniska, shahasr b'achila ba'anavei and talon sreifa. Shahaniska is a good example. You're not allowed to eat it. You're not allowed to get benefit from it. But yet, halacha l'ma'isa, there's no din sreifa. There's no din of burning it. Amr lahen hefresh. Rabbi Huda says, I'll tell you the difference. Why it's not a good comparison to shahaniska. No sir asr ba'achila ba'anav anushkaris. The chametz asr ba'achila ba'anav anushkaris. So remember again, there's a much stronger connection between chametz and nosar than chametz and shohaniskal. Why? Because chametz, like nosar, have an isra achila, an isra hanah, and if you consume it, there is a chiyav kares. Remember again, that same punishment does not apply to the consumption of a shohaniskal. So therefore, again, we could say the comparison works. Manosar asreifa. Therefore, just like Nosar is disposed of with Sreifa, so too Chametz will be disposed of with Sreifa. Amrulo, so the Rabbanan said back, Let's compare Chametz to the case of Chaliv of a Shorhaniska. Why? Because remember again, Chaliv of a Shorhaniska satisfies all three criteria. You're not allowed to eat it, you're not allowed to get benefit from it, and if you consume it, there's a Chiyav Kares. Ta'un sreifa. But yet, interestingly enough, there is no din of burning it. So we'll say, see, you see from here, just because something is asr ba'chila and asr ba'na and carries a chiyav karis, does not automatically add up to the logical conclusion that the only way to dispose of it is through sreifa. Tap of chavzayin. Therefore, Rabbi Huda comes along and he gives another explanation. He says, No sir, yeshna babato siru, the chamis babato siru. Nosar and Chametz share a common love. What's the common love? 
not leaving something over. Remember again, what's Nosar? Nosar is sacrificial matter left over past its prescribed time. What's Chametz? Chametz is leaven, again, left over past its, prescri- its permitted time. So therefore, again, man, just like Nosar ultimately, again, is, is dealt with with Sreifa, so too Chametz is, is, is dealt with with Sreifa. So once again, Rabbanan say, Amr so the Rabbana bring two other cases. We'll say Asham Taloi. So remember again, Asham Taloi is brought in a situation where a person commits an Avera whose intentional violation would bring a Chi of Kares. So Rashi gives the example, a piece of Chilev, which is prohibited fat, with a piece of Shuman, which is permitted fat. Both pieces are in front of me. I know that I ate a piece, I just don't know which piece I ate. So therefore, what does one do in such a situation like that? You bring an asham taloi. So imagine you bring an asham taloi, you're about to offer it up, or you offer it up, but then something invalid happens. Ah, uh, they never got a chance to sprinkle the blood, or some other psul that invalidates the carbon. Or for that matter, again, chatas ha'ov ba ala safek. Or if you have a chatas or says, this is talking about a woman, who miscarried, and she's not sure whether or not what she miscarries satisfies the halachic definition of a birth, which would require carbon yoledes. So she brings she brings a chatas ha'ov ba ala safek. Now that carbon Rashi points out is not consumed. Rather, again, it's not consumed. It never goes on the mizbeach. So remember again, here's what's interesting. See, here are two cases. Here are two cases. Asham taloi and chatas ha'ov where the Rabbanon say that it has a din of sreifa, you have to burn, you have to burn it, and yet you, Rabbi Yehuda, hold, ultimately again, that what? That you bury it. Now Rashi points out the question here is much more targeted towards Asham Taloi. Let's look at this in just a moment. So in Asham Taloi, so remember again, I go ahead, I ate a piece of meat, I don't know, is it Chalev or is it Shuman? Is it permitted or is it Asher? So I, and again, if I, if I ate Chalev, that would car, carry with it, if I did it intentionally, it would carry with it a of Kares. So I bring in Asham Taloi. So I bring my carbon, now something happens to invalidate the carbon. So now what do I do with the leftover carbon? So listen to this. Rabbi Yehuda's logic up until now was, if something is Asr Ba'achila, Asr Ba'na, and if you consume it as a of Kares, you should burn it. You should have to burn it to dispose of it. After all, that's what Rabbi Yehuda said by Chametz. That's what he said by Nosar. Yet, interestingly enough, the Rabbanon come along and say, you know, by the way, Rabbi Yehuda, in the case of Asham Talu, you know, you're the one who says that if you can't offer it, you bury it. And yet, we, the Rabbanon, are the ones who are saying that if you can't offer it, you burn it. So Rabbi Yehuda, we're poking a hole, we're blasting a hole in your argument. You're saying every single time something is Asr Ba'achila, Asr Ba'na, and the Chi of Kares, you should have to burn the remnants of it. That's your raya, that the only way to destroy Chametz is through beer. But yet you yourself, we give you a case over here of the Asham Taloi, and yet you say it's buried, not burned. Shasak Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yehuda was silenced, and he realized that his argument was refuted. So listen to this. Amarav, Hainu Damri Inshi. So Rabbi Yehuda said, this is what people say. There's a couple of, uh, of expressions in Aramaic. Kafa dechata nagra begava nisrov chardula. So literally translated, the craftsman who made the bowl 
will burn his tongue in the mustard contained within. Obviously, it sounds much better in the Aramaic, but you understand, meaning the, the craftsman himself made the bowl, yet the irony of ironies is that sometimes the craftsman is harmed by the very thing he created. Ultimately, seeing Rabbi Huda, you espouse this whole argument, and yet the argument that you're trying to advance by Chomets, ultimately, again, is refuted by another argument you made by Asham Taloi. Another expression, Amr Abaye, Sadna bisadani Yasiv, Medvil Yodei Mishtal. Abaye says, people say that the shackle maker ends up getting trapped in his own shackles. Medvil Yodei Mishtal. He is rewarded from his own handiwork. So again, same expression. Sometimes that which you create in life ultimately later on, unfortunately, entraps you. Rava Amar, Gira'a Begira Mikdal, Medvil Yodei Mishtal. Sometimes the arrow maker is killed by his own arrows and ultimately again is repaid from his own handiwork. So all they're just pointing out is that this framework that Rabbi Yehuda espoused as the raya to say that chametz has to be burned, chametz has to be burned. Ultimately, again, we see that halacha lemaisa it doesn't hold up in other circumstances. Again, we'll, we'll come back to this halacha in just a moment. Gemara goes on. It just it happens to be there's actually like an incredible muster in these as well that before a person takes action in life, whether it's what I say or what I do person has to be so conscious that my words and my actions should never come back to bite me. In other words, if I do something and I would be later on confronted by this act, would I be comfortable admitting that I did this? Or if I said something and I was later on confronted with what I said, would I be comfortable would I be comfortable acknowledging or taking ownership for that which I said? Because, you know, sometimes the craftsman is trapped by the very thing he created. Now, of course, with Rabbi Yehuda, they're just saying his teachings are contradicting each other. But what an incredible life must never say anything you don't want to be confronted with. And never do something you don't want to be confronted with. Incredible. So the Imara goes, The Chum say you don't have to burn chametz. Rather, all you have to do is what? Crumple it up and throw it into the wind. So both listen to this. This is actually very interesting. So remember the Lashon, the Lashon of the Mishnah, the Lashon of the Mishnah said as follows that Rabbi Yehuda, I'm sorry, the Chachamim said, so the Chacham said, you don't have to just dispose of chametz through burning it. Rather, you could crumble it up, zor ruach, throw it into the wind, umatliyam, and throw it into the sea. So the Gemara asks a very sophisticated question. What, is, what, what are the Chacham saying? Are the Chacham saying that either way, whether you're going to throw the chametz into the wind or you're going to throw the chametz into the sea, the first step is you have to crumble up the chametz. That's the first thing. You have to crumple up the chametz. Or maybe the only thing you have to crumple it up is when, when you're throwing the chametz into, into the wind. But if you're throwing the chametz into the sea, there's no obligation to go ahead and grind it up or crumple it up first. So that's the shayla. Tanan, so the Gemara says, we learned this, Tanan, and the Gabi Avodah This same shayla comes up, I have all the Zara, Kiyah Gavna, Rabbi Yossi Omer, Shochek Vizor Leruach, Umatiliyam. Rabbi Yossi says that Allah if you're destroying Avodah how do you destroy Avodah You grind it up and you throw it into the wind, or you could throw it into the sea. And we ask the same question by Avodazarah. Is Rabbi Yossi saying that either way, when you dispose of Avodazarah, the first thing you have to do is grind it up? Is that the first necessary, first thing you have to do is grind it up? And then you want to throw it into the wind, you want to throw it into the water. Is that what Rabbi Yossi is saying? Or maybe, no, the obligation to grind up the Avodazar is only if you're throwing it into the wind. But if you're throwing it into the water, there's no obligation to grind it up beforehand. 
So we'll say interesting machlokis. I'm a rabbi. Mistab rav oldazar deliam hamelach kaazla lo baishchik. So we'll say rabbi says that it would appear that halacha lemaisa avodazar itself. You know the lashon we just had this in in in, in today's daf. That or it really was part of yesterday's daf, but we did it today. Um, I'm sorry, we did it erev Shabbos. We did it Friday. So rabbi says that the halacha by avodazar is when everyone disposes of avodazar. The lashon of the gemara is yolich hanoa liyamamelach. Throw the hanoa. Into the Red Sea, to the Dead Sea, I should say, Yamamelach, the Dead Sea. So we'll say, so what's the pshat? Because the assumption is the Dead Sea, there's no, no one travels on the Dead Sea. There's no boats going on the Dead Sea, the Gemara assumes. And therefore, Halacha Lamaisa, there's no concern that someone's going to come and pick up the Avodazar and get benefit from it. So therefore, if you throw it into the Yamamelach, you don't have to do anything. You just, just have to dispose of it, and that's all. So the Gemara says, Chomit, the Lashar Naros Kazil, but Chomit, which could be thrown into any body of water by Peru ultimately, again, requires grinding up a foreign. So we'll say the shita of Rava is that chametz only has, excuse me, Avodazar only has to be ground up if you throw it into the wind, because then people might have access to it. You have to destroy it before you scatter it. But because Avodazar is only disposed of in Yamamelach, you don't have to grind it up before you go out and dispose of it. Rather, you could just dispose of it. Comes along, however, chametz, which can be disposed of in any body of water, including bodies of water, which have, we'll call it pedestrian traffic, Therefore, Allah Lamaisa Khamis must always be ground up before it is discarded. So Rav Yosef Kalongz, Amali Rav Yosef, Adraba, Ibchamstab Rav Yosef says, Rabba, I think you're wrong. Just the opposite is true. How so? Avodazar Dulomisa Baishrika. Avodazara doesn't dissolve. Right? If you throw Avodazara into the water, I mean maybe it will dissolve over a large number of years, but it's not going to dissolve. And therefore, again, Baishrika. No matter where you are disposing of Avodazara, the goal is to destroy it. And as such, halacha you must go ahead and actively crumble it wherever you're throwing it. However, chametz demamis lo boyper. But chametz, you throw a loaf of bread, you throw chametz into the water, it's going to dissolve. So therefore, again, you don't have to go ahead and you don't have to go ahead and crumble the chametz. So we'll say, so fundamental machlokus between Rabbah and Rav Yosef. Again, Rabbah telling me that Avodazar does not need to be crumbled before it is discarded because it, I would just say it differently. If it's going to be discarded in a body of water, it doesn't need prior crumbling. Why not? Because Avodazar is only discarded in Yamamelach. If, of course, you're going to discard it into the wind, then it must be crumbled beforehand. Rav Yosef, just the opposite. Avodazar always has to be crumbled, always has to be smashed beforehand. Whether you're throwing it into wind or a body of water, for some reason, it won't dissolve on its own, but chametz which will dissolve on its own. No need to crumple it before you throw it into a body of water. Of course, if you're going to throw it into the wind, you have to crumple it. So, Tanya Kavase de Rabba, Tanya Kavase de Rabbi Yosef. Yosef, a Braisa that supports both Rabba as well as Rav Yosef. So, the Gemara says, what's the Braisa? Here we go. Tanya Kavase de Rabba, Braisa that supports Rabba. Hoye mahalich b'midbar, mefarer v'zor l'ruach. If a person was walking in a desert and he has his chametz, what does he do? He crumples it up and he throws it into the wind. If you're walking on a boat, So if you're walking on a boat, then what do you do? Or not walking on a boat, but if you're on a boat, then you must crumple it up and throw it into the water as well. So we'll say this is the sheet of Rabbah, that no matter how you're disposing of the chametz, you must always go ahead and crumple it up before discarding it. Tanya Kavasi de Rabbi Yosef, Ibrahim that supports Rabbi Yosef. If a person was walking in the desert, a person crumples up the chametz and throws it into the wind. But if a person was on a boat, so the Gemara says, one second, 
Peirer Kashel Rav Yosef. Rav Yosef, each of these brisos that you quoted, that you quoted in order to align with the different shita, they each pose a question, right? In the brisa that was according to Rava, according to Rav, excuse me, Shrika, the grinding up ultimately causes, poses a kasha, and ultimately again, Peirer Kashel Rav Yosef. To which the Gemara says, Shrika le Rav kasha. No, the case of grinding up according to Rav is not a question. Why not? Both say the only time Rabbah will say that that it doesn't require that it doesn't require shrika is going to be into Yamamelach. But in other bodies of water, it does require shrika. Again, the spreading around, according to Rabbi Yosef, is also not a contradiction. One is referring to wheat and one is referring to a loaf of bread. Rashi points out over here, what's the distinction? A loaf of bread apparently will dissolve in water, but stalks of wheat, Rashi says, Bechiti, Sheikh Mitsu, Boy Peter, Kolomar, so apparently, interestingly enough, when it comes to chiti, so again, you throw in a loaf of bread, so a loaf of bread dissolves. But if you're throwing in stalks of grain, ultimately it's not just enough to throw it in, but rather one must scatter it as well. Fine. So we'll say, very interesting. What is the halacha lemaisa? Because obviously this is a major machlokas between Rabbi Huda and the Rabbanon about how you are to, supposed to properly dispose of chametz. So we'll say, so the shulchan arach and simen tof mem hey writes as follows. This is tof mem hey siv aleph. Ketzal bir chametz. How are you supposed to dispose of chametz? Sarfo o poriro vizora lerach o zarko liyam. So we'll say, this is incredible. So halacha lemaisa, how do you destroy chametz? Shulchan arach says, Burn it, because obviously burning, right? The Mishnabura, the Mishnabura points out over here, the goal, ideally you're supposed to burn. But if you're not going to burn it, so you could go ahead and crumple it up, throw it into the wind, or you could go ahead and throw it into the water. So I'll say, so now listen to this. See, see from here that we kasha, metacht. So I will say, so remember again, the Shukhnarch seems to indicate that Allah the din of crumbling is only a din when you're throwing it into the wind. But if you're disposing of the chametz by throwing it into the water, there is no obligation to crumble because we assume that the chametz will simply dissolve in the water. And that is true, that's the psak of the machaber. But look what the machaber says. But if the chametz is very hard and therefore the water is not going to dissolve it quickly, First, you should go ahead and crumble it, and only afterwards should you throw it in the water. The way we pass in is, and let me just add in one more piece of the Ramah. The Ramah says, So we'll say, interestingly enough, the Ramah says, ideally, it is best to burn chametz. Now it's interesting, then the Ramah says, and when do you burn chametz? You burn chametz by day. Why do you burn chametz by day? Because chametz is like no sir. We'll say, what does it mean chametz is like no sir? So we'll say, now we appreciate that statement, because what did Rabbi Huda say? Rabbi Huda said that halach said, just like no sir, is asr ba'achilo, asr ba'ano, and ultimately again is burned, so to chametz, asr ba'achilo, asr ba'ano, therefore the way to dispose of it is we burn. So we'll say, so interestingly enough, what happens over here is as follows. We paskin like the chachamim, which means, you could dispose of your chametz however you want. You want to burn it, you want to flush it down the toilet, you want to throw it into a river. You could do whatever you want. But the Shulchan gives two caveats. Number one, if you're going to throw it into the wind, you must crumple it up and discard it first. That's Aleph. If you're going to throw it into the water, you could throw it in whole, provided that you know this is the type of chametz that will dissolve. But if there's a concern that the chametz will not dissolve, then the Shulchan Aruch Paskins, you have to go ahead and crumble it up first before you throw it in. Ramos says, 
Although you could dispose of chametz however you want, the ideal way to do it is through sreifa, and we do it by day, dumya dinosar, like the sheet of Rabbi Huda. So although we don't pass like Rabbi Huda, it is interesting to see how Rabbi Huda's sheet does make its appearance in halacha. Beautiful. Vaiter says the Mishnah chametz shalachu yishavalav abhesach. Suppose listen to this. If you have chametz that belong to a non-Jew, chametz that belong to a Gentile. So essentially you have Gentiles chametz after Pesach. What's that? That's not a Chiddush, right? Obviously, again, there is no Isurim of chametz which govern the chametz of, of a Nachri, of a Gentile. The reason the Mishnah is quoting this is because the next line, Vishal Yisrael Asrabana, both say a very important piece. This is the content of Chametz Sha'avar Alava Pesach. Then, if a Jew illegally owned chametz over the course of Pesach, that chametz is Asrabana after Pesach. After Pesach, so the Gemara says, because the Pasik says, you shall not see Sa'ar. So the Gemara is going to discuss how exactly we learn this out from this Pasik, but I will say, but Lamaisa, a very important lesson. If a Jew illegally owned Chametz over the course of Pesach, that Chametz is Asr Bana for everyone, not just the owner. It's Asr Bana for everyone after Pesach, says the Gemara Mani Mas Nisin. So we're going to go on a little bit of adventure over here. So the Gemara wants to know whose opinion does the Mishnah reflect? Lo Rabbi Yehuda, lo Rabbi Shimon, lo Rabbi Yosef, Lili. So Mahi, so we'll say it doesn't reflect the views of Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon, and Rabbi Yosef, Lili. So we're going to discuss each of these sheets in just a bit. So Mahi, whose opinion does it reflect? Or we'll say really, what's, who are these opinions? Desanya, here we go. Chametz, bein lifnei zmano, bein la'achar, zmano, overlove, belav. So we'll say listen to this. Chametz, both before the zman iser, as well as after the Zman of Isser, both before Chametz becomes prohibited and after Chametz becomes prohibited, ultimately, again, it is punishable through a lav, prohibition. Toch Zmano, but if so, we'll say, we'll see what that means, but Pepashtos, but Pepashtos, what it means is as follows. If you consume Chametz between the sixth hour of the day and the beginning of Yom Div, that's a lav. If you consume Chametz that was owned by a Jew after Pesach, that's a lav. However, Toch Zmano, if you eat Chametz on Yom Tev itself, Chas V'Shalom, over Alav Belav U'Bekaris Tev Rabbi Yehud. Rabbi Yehud holds that Alach Alamaisa, if you eat Chametz over Pesach, you're in violation because of Alav and Karis. So Rabbi Yehud say, Alach Alamaisa, Rabbi Yehud, the is Chametz before Pesach. When we say before Pesach, we mean from the sixth hour till the start of Yom Tev, Lav. Chametz Sha'avar Alav Pesach, Chametz owned illegally by a Jew. And now after Pesach, Lav. Chametz on Pesach, Lav and Kares. Amud Beis, Rabbi Shimon Omer Chametz Lefnei Zmano, Laachar Zmano, Eino Over Lav Beloklum. This is wild. So also Rabbi Shimon holds that Allah Chalamaisa, Chametz before the time of prohibition, which Bepashtos, sorry, which Bepashtos means, which Bepashtos means what? That Chametz before the Zman of Israel, before Chametz before Yom Tiv starts, and Chametz Laachar Zmano after Yom Tiv is over, Eino Over Beloklum. You don't violate anything. Toch zmano, however, chametz on Yom Tev itself, over alav bekaris. Ultimately, again, chametz on Pesach itself is punishable by karis. Ubalav, and with alav, umisha sha'asra ba'achila asra ba'ano. So we'll say, the Brisa then goes on, the Brisa says, and by the way, from the moment that chametz becomes asra ba'achila, it also becomes asra ba'ano. So asal matanakama. So we'll say that opinion we'll see is in line with the Tanakama. Again, we're going to dissect. This is still reading the Bryce. So we're going to dissect this Bryce in a little bit. Rabbi Yossi Lili Omer, Rabbi Yossi says, what are you talking about? So we'll say this is pretty well. Rabbi Yossi Lili says, from where do you know that Chametz is Asr Bana all seven days of Pesach? 
Where do you know that from? And from where do you know that if one eats chametz from the sixth hour and on, on Erev Pesach, right, meaning from the sixth hour till the start of Yom Tiv, how do you know ultimately again that a person is in violation of a lo because the Pasuk says, lo se'achel, I will say a little bit taking us back to our Rabbi Avo Chizkiya, lo se'achel, lo se'achel alav chametz, we'll say take a look at Rashi, lo se'achel alav, it's the last of the wide lines on top, mishas shechita, dahaymu mishayshol, so lamayla, shechama notalav, so we'll say listen to this, so Rabbi Yosei Haglili over here is darshing the Pasuk as follows, the Torah says, lo se'achel chametz, Right? Lo se'achel chametz. So we'll say, which means what? That halach, now, remember it says, you shall not eat chametz on it. Rabbi Yosef says, what's the on it? The on it is the carbon Pesach. From the moment that you are permitted to offer up the carbon Pesach, halach lemaisi, you can't eat chametz any longer. That's Rabbi Yosef, lili shita. The Gemara says, lo se'achel alav chametz. Rabbi Yehuda, Amr Rabbi Shimon. So Rabbi Shimon says as follows. I'm sorry, let me let me take a step back. So the Gemara says, Shinemar Lose Achalov Khamitz Rabbi Huda. Amr Rabbi Shimon. So Rabbi Shimon says, look at Rashi Lose Achalalov, Mishashita Dahil Mishay Show, Sulamailo, Shechamanotala Harif. Salochalamaisa, when does the Isr of Khamitz begin? Lose Achel Alov. From the moment you can begin to offer up the carbon pesach, the Isr Khamitz begins. Dir Rabbi Huda, Amr Rabbi Shimon. Fihi F Shalom Rakina Bishimon says, Really? Does that does that make sense to you? Vahalo Kavarnamar Lose Achel Alov Khamitz. Shivas Yamim Tochal of Matzos. The Pasak Rabose links the Isser of Achilas Chomets to the mitzvah of consuming matzah. So does that not tell you that what? That halacha lamaisa, that when there's a chiv tit matzah, that's when there's an isr tit chomets. And everyone knows the chiv tit matzah only begins when? Only begins halacha lamaisa at night, the night of Pesach. So how can you say that the isr of achilas chomets begins even earlier? To which the Gemara says, v'chiev shalom arkein v'alok farnemar lo se'achalav chomets, shivas yomim tocha alav matzos. I imkain mat hamalomor lo se'achel alav. So we'll say lo se'achel lo se'achel alav chametz. So we'll say okay. Let's say I accept that. Let's say I accept the fact that the juxtaposition between the obligation to eat matzah and the prohibition to consume chametz is correct, and therefore that tells me that halacha lemaisa you only have an obligation to refrain from chametz when you have an obligation to eat matzah, which means the isur chametz doesn't begin until the beginning of Yom Tov itself. What do I do with the Pasuk that says, Lo se'achel alav chametz? What do I do with that Pasuk? Because that Pasuk is clearly saying what? Don't eat chametz on it. What's, what's, what's the on it? So the Pashtas isn't the on it carbon Pesach. And that's telling me that the Israel of carbon Pesach begins, sorry, the Israel of chametz begins at the time that you could offer up the carbon Pesach. So when can you begin to offer up the carbon Pesach? Already again, midday? To which the Gemara says, Imkein matam alomer lo se'achel alav chametz. So what it tells me as follows, that I learned from this as follows, the Gemara says, when it says, you know what that teaches me? When there is, when there is an obligation to consume matzah, there is an obligation to refrain from chametz. And when there is not an obligation to go ahead and eat, I'm sorry, when there is not an obligation to consume matzah, i.e. before the start of Yom Tiv, 
Eino bebal tochal chametz. Ultimately, again, there is no prohibition to go in and consume chametz. So we'll say we're, we're going to pick apart. We're going to pick apart these shitas in just a little bit because obviously there seem to be certain inconsistencies with what it is that they're saying. So hold on. So the Gemara says as follows: My time with Rabbi Yehuda. So we'll say what is Rabbi Yehuda's logic? Remember, we're going to both say Rabbi Yehuda holds that halacha lemaisa, that if you go ahead and you eat chametz from Sheisha Osulamaila, right? If you go ahead and you eat chametz, right, Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda was saying that halacha lemaisa, right? Remember, I'm oh, sorry, this was the last sheet on, on Amudalaf. Rabbi Yehuda said that Lifneizmano from six hours until the start of Yamtiv, as well as after Yamtiv itself, there's a law, there's a prohibition to eat chametz. And on Pesach itself, Tochzmano, the halacha is Yechayiv on a lav and of curries. So lav from six hours to the start of chametz. Love on chametz she'avar lava Pesach, chametz illegally owned by a Jew after Pesach, and love and kares ultimately again over Pesach itself. So says the Gemara. Let's add, let's we'll say now we're going to begin to kind of analyze and pick apart these shitos. So my time is Rabbi Huda. What's Rabbi Huda's logic? So the Gemara says Tlasa Kraik Sivi because Rabbi Huda says there are three psukim written in conjunction with chametz. Lo yachel chametz. The pasuk says you shall not eat chametz. Right. Also, it says v'chol machmetzes lo sochelu. Don't eat machmetzes. Again, we'll define that term, but for now, let's just say it means don't eat chametz. Lo sochol alav chametz, and don't eat chametz. The Torah tells us don't eat chametz three times. Says Rabbi Yehuda, why three times? Chad lefnei zmano, the chad laachar zmano, the chad latoch zmano. Rabbi Yehuda says it's to give me three lavim. One lav, one lav is for chametz. One prohibition is for chametz from the sixth hour to the start of Pesach. One lav is for Pesach itself. And one lav, ultimately, again, is for chametz illegally owned by a Jew after Pesach. So, say, so remember, again, kares, kares is explicitly said in the Torah. The Torah explicitly says that a person who eats chametz on Pesach is chayiv kares. The Rabbi Shimin. So, say, so this is the sheet of Rabbi Yudas. Now, again, we're, 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 we're fine-tuning the sheet. This Rabbi Huda holds there's a lav before Pesach, six hours to the start of Pesach, a lav and kares on Pesach, and a lav on chametz shavar lava Pesach. Where does he get that? Very simple drasha. The Torah states the prohibition to consume chametz three times. Three times, three lavim, three time periods. Beautiful. For Rabbi Shimon, we'll say, what, what will Rabbi Shimon say about this? And I'll say, remember again, Rabbi Shimon holds that Allah saw chametz before Pesach, from the sixth hour till the start of Pesach, as well as chametz after Pesach. Rabbi Shimon says, below klum. Below klum. There's no liability for that chametz at all. He agrees that Allah saw once Pesach starts, so then there is a lav as well as kares for Rabbi Shimon. So we'll say, what does Rabbi Shimon do with the three mentionings, right? The three, the three lavim of chametz for Rabbi Shimon, chad l'soch smano. So we'll say, Rabbi Shimon says like this, one lav is to teach me that in addition to kares for chametz consumption on Pesach, there's also a lav. The Chom Machmetz, as the Pasuk of Chom Machmetz, as Rabbi Shimon comes to teach me something else. Me I need it for the following halacha. Only elushin is chametz me'ilav. So both say chametz, chametz could refer to something which kind of became leavened on its own. Mach must davar achar minayin. But say, how do I know that if something only became chametz as a result of a, of a, we'll call it an external leavening agent? So, for example, yeast. How do I know that something became chametz because yeast was introduced to it? So chametz only tells me something which becomes chametz on, it, on its own, meaning its own internal processes. How do I know that if something became chametz as a result of an external influence, an external ingredient, that that is also Asar and Pesach? 
Therefore, the Pasuk says, Rabbi say, in Rabbi Shimon's world, in Rabbi Shimon's world, is introducing a dramatically new halacha, which is not only is naturally occurring chametz, going to be aser, but even chimutz, even chametz that is created through some type of external ingredient or reality is going to be chametz as well. I, what about lo yeachel chametz? What does Rabbi Shimon do with that third pasik? Because most remember again, according to Rabbi Shimon, there's only one real love against chametz. It's only the love if you consume chametz on Pesach itself. But chametz before Pesach is mutter. Chametz shavar lava Pesach is mutter. So, okay, so now one, so ultimately again, one, one iser, one lo yochel chametz is to teach you the iser on Pesach. Komach metzes is to teach you that halacha lamaisa, even if the item became chametz, as a result, ultimately, of some external leavening agent, it's still going to be Aser. What does he do with Lo Yachel Chametz? It's very exciting. Listen to how beautiful this is. We'll see, we're going to get into this sugya, but there are a number of dramatic differences between the first Pesach observed in Mitzrayim, what we call Pesach Mitzrayim, and Pesach Doros, the Pesach observed in future generations. One of the interesting distinctions is that in Pesach Mitzrayim, the Israchams, at least according to according to Rabbi Yosef Lili, right? Pesach Mitzrayim ultimately again the Isr Chametz was only observed on that day, on one day. So the Gemara says, lo yiachel chametz, because the pasuk says you shall not eat chametz. And what's juxtaposed that the samichle hayom hazeh hayom atem yotzim, and it says today you're going out. So the fact that it says hayom today you're going out, and that's juxtaposed to the pasuk of lo yiachel chametz, teaches me that by Pesach Doros, the first Pesach. The Isr Chametz only applied for one day, as opposed to, that's Pesach Mitzrayim. So it's the Pesach Doros, Pesach for future generations, the Isr Chametz is for seven days. Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Huda, so we'll say, so now, now remember, where does Rabbi Huda learn out these halachas from? So remember again, Rabbi Shimon went ahead and learned out, he used Kolmach Metzes to teach me, to teach me that even if something becomes Chametz for an external leavening agent, it's going to be Chametz. Where does Rabbi Yehuda learn out? From Rabbi Yehuda, where does Rabbi Yehuda learn out that even if something becomes Chametz as a result of an external leavening agent, that it is still going to be Aser on Pesach? So we'll say ultimately again, Rabbi Yehuda says, no, no, no. That, that's meaning we can learn two things. In other words, the fact that the Torah phrases in Isr Chametz in Lashon Machnetzes could teach you two things. It could teach you, number one, that there's a lav. Remember again, according to Rabbi Yehuda, you need three lavim. One for before Pesach, one for during Pesach, one for after Pesach. So Komach Machnetzes could teach me there's an Isr Chametz, but the fact that the Torah chose to write it in this way could also teach me an additional halacha. Namely, not only is naturally occurring Chametz going to be Aser, but Allah Chalamaisa, even Chametz that becomes Chametz as a result of an external leavening agent, will be Aser as well. So the Gemara says, Where does Rabbi Yehuda know the dinner of Rabbi Yosiak Lili? In other words, how does he know that Rabbi, like Rabbi Yosiak Lili said, that in Pesach, sorry, the first Pesach, the Isra Chametz only applied for one day. Where does he know that from? So one possibility is he agrees with the Joshua of Rabbi Yossi. The fact that Hayom, Atem Yotzim, is juxtaposed to one of the Lavin tells you that the Lav of Chametz only applied for one day. There's no, I mean, there's no problem with Rabbi Yehuda agreeing with the drush of Rabbi Yossi. Ibaisim, the other possibility is Smuch and Lodarish. Both say maybe Rabbi Yehuda just doesn't agree with Rabbi Yossi. Maybe he just doesn't agree. Maybe he holds that even by Pesach Mitzrayim, the Isser Chametz was in fact there all seven days.
Maybe he just disagrees. So possibility one is he agrees with the drasha. Possibility two is he doesn't agree with the drasha. Now the Gemara says the reason he wouldn't agree with the drasha is because maybe he doesn't agree with the exegetical principle of darshin and smuchin. Maybe he doesn't agree with the fact that we darshin, that we that we extrapolate halachas from juxtaposed psukim. Okay, Amr Mar. Supposed to be govaiter. Continuing in quoting the Brisa, so he said, and how do we know that if someone eats chametz from six hours of the day, Erev Pesach, and on, that one is over on a low sasseh, these are the words of Rabbi Yehuda, right? Rabbi Yehuda holds that is one of the love and teaches me that there's a love if you consume chametz from the sixth hour of Erev Pesach and on. So Rabbi Shimon says Rabbi Yehuda, how can you say that? The Torah links the prohibition to consume chametz with the obligation to consume matzah. Does that not tell you that the Isser chametz only begins when there's an obligation to consume matzah? But if there's not yet an obligation to consume matzah, I before Pesach, there's no Isser chametz. Rabbi Huda Shapir, Kamalei. Rabbi Huda is saying good. You are saying, saying good. He's saying good. Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Yehuda, Amr Lecha. So I will say, Rabbi Shimon. I'm sorry. Rabbi Huda Shapir, Kamalei. Rabbi Shimon. Rabbi Huda, Amr Lecha. I'm sorry. Um, I'm sorry, right? Rabbi Huda, Shapir, Rabbi Shimon. I brought what we said before. The ultimate thing Rabbi Shimon responded to Rabbi Huda was a good answer. Rabbi Huda, Amr Lecha, Hahu Lekovo Chova, Afilo Bizman Hazehu Da'asa. So we'll say ultimately again, Rabbi Shimon will go ahead and respond back to Rabbi Huda. And he will say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Rabbi Huda will respond back to Rabbi Shimon that the Pasuk that Rabbi Shimon quoted ultimately, again, is there to serve a different purpose. Namely, to establish the fact that Allah said there is a biblical obligation to eat matzah bismanazah, even though there is no longer a carbon pesach. Rabbi Shimon, Lakova Chova Minale. For we'll say, where does Rabbi Shimon know that Allah said matzah bismanazah, right? Matzah, even without a carbon pesach, is still going to be a biblical obligation. Nafkalei mi ba'erev tochlu. We'll say, since the Pasuk says, ba'erev tochlu matzos, you shall eat matzah at night. The fact that the Torah phrases a separate independent obligation, because we'll remember again, on one hand, the Torah says, amatzos morom yochluhu, which links carbon pesach together with mar and matzah. So I would say, in the absence of carbon pesach, there's no matzah as well. So how do I know that there's a contemporary biblical obligation to consume matzah? Even now, mi ba'erev tochlu matzos. The fact that it says, at night you should eat matzos. For Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Huda, what does Rabbi Huda do with that pasik? Rabbi Huda, mi boilei letami v'shay b'derech rechoka. Suppose it's very interesting. Rabbi Huda requires that pasik actually for something else. Rabbi Huda requires that pasik for the individual who is tame and therefore unable to go ahead and offer up the Karman Pesach and derech rechoka. Someone who's too far away. Rabbi Huda, look at Rashi just a moment. Letami v'shay b'derech rechoka. Remember again, there's a concept of Pesach Sheni. Pesach Sheni is the makeup Pesach. Who utilizes the Pesach Sheni? So the two paradigmatic examples that the Torah gives is someone who is Tamei ritually impure or very far away. So you might have thought that therefore if someone is essentially exempted from carbon Pesach because of their circumstances, Maybe they should be exempted from matzah as well. Kamashlan Rabbi Huda says, Ba'erev tochlu matzos teaches me that even someone who is going to avail themselves of Pesach Sheni, because circumstantially they are exempt, nevertheless still have to eat matzah the night of Pesach. The Gemara says, You would have thought, Because you would have thought, once the individual is exempt, 
from going ahead and having to bring the Korban Pesach because of his circumstances. Therefore, Halacha saw. Halacha Lamaisi also shouldn't have to eat. Pesi also shouldn't have to eat matzah and murder. Kamash no. Kamash Malon said that Halacha Lamaisa, even though he's exempt from Karma Pesach, he still has to go ahead and eat matzah and murder. Rabbi Shimin. So Rabbi Shimon says, you don't need a Pasuk for that. That's obvious. Obviously, I will say, even if a person can't bring the carbon Pesach, and right, even if he's going to avail himself of Pesach Sheni, he still has an obligation to eat matz and mutter on the night of Pesach. And I don't need a Pasuk from that. Why don't you need a Pasuk? Because I will say, that's no worse than who? He says, Because a person who is Tamei or Bederach ritually impure, too far away from the Beis HaMikdash, is no worse than an uncircumcised individual. And I will say, what's the halacha by an uncircumcised individual? The Torah says, ben nechar ochel. So we'll say, what does the Torah say? The Torah says, Ultimately, again, any uncircumcised person should not eat it. What's the it? The it is carbon pesach. Bohu eino ochel. Ultimately, again, it's only carbon pesach that the arel can't eat. But ultimately, again, he still has an obligation to eat matzah and marver. Rabbi Yehuda, ksiv bahayu, ksiv bahayu. Rabbi Yehuda will still say that halacha the Torah goes out of its way to go ahead and and write in each of these situations. Rashi says, ksiv bahayu, ksiv Rabbi Huda will say that sometimes, even if something could be learned out from one's, from a different source, the Torah still goes out of its way, ultimately again, to go ahead and write it in both locations. We'll discuss why that is. But let's say we'll stop over here for today. Again, we're going to continue in, in, in kind of building out the b'raisa. But I will say, remember again, just to keep focused, the whole reason we got into this is because we're trying to figure out the authorship of the Mishnah. And the authorship of the Mishnah said that chametz owned by a Gentile is permitted after Pesach, chametz illegally owned by a Jew is going to be prohibited after Pesach. Why? Because the Pasuk says, Lo So in, we're trying to figure out authorship of the Mishnah. And what we're going to see is, so we went through the Shittas of Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Shimon, and Rabbi Yossi Haglili. And we're going to see, based on what we've learned, we've spent Ahmed Bey's developing their Shittas. We're going to see, based on what we learned, the Gemara is going to suggest that the Mishnah can't reflect any of their opinions. But Amir Hashem will see that's Sunday morning. Abosai. Wishing everyone a wonderful evening. By the time you're watching this, it's a good vach. So I'll, I wish you a good Shabbos because I'm recording it on Arab Shabbos. But ultimately, again, I wish you a good vach and a beautiful beginning of the week as well. Yashkach Rabbos, I see everyone tomorrow morning. A good vach.